his faithfulness. His promises still stand. Yeah, I got to read the scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 2.20. Let me find it quick. One twenty. Second Corinthians one twenty. For all, how many? All of the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes. And in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. All of the promises of God have been fulfilled through Christ. Healing has been fulfilled through the stripes on the back of our Lord Jesus. Our part is to say amen. That means I agree. That means, God, I agree with you. I believe. I agree. I accept your promise. I take it. It's a gift. I receive it. But it works through us. The part that's working through us is our faith. So I'm here to just stir you up today, to stir up your faith, to receive all that you have. So what I want to do is I am going to do a quick mini teaching on the testimony because we're going to hear the title of this evening is Testimonies of Redemption. Isn't that good? Jesus is our redeemer. And as a child of God, it's my gift. Redemption is my gift. And it's your gift too. So we're going to be hearing testimonies of redemption. So I'm going to give you a little bit, a couple little nuggets about testimonies. Here's the first one. This is really good news. First of all, the definition of testimony is an oral or a written record of anything that God has done. The testimonies of Jesus in the Bible, the accounts of Jesus, those are testimonies. But Jesus is still in the business of doing testimonies today. I shared this much of my testimony. Bottom line is I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer 17 years ago and given 6 months to live. The end of the story is 17 years later I'm healthy and whole and healed. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. That's a testimony of Jesus. So now here's the really cool part. Testimonies run in the family. And you're in the same family. Listen to this scripture. This is Psalm 119, 111. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever. They are the rejoicing of my heart. That word heritage means something that comes or belongs to one by reason of birth. So back before we were born again, we had a DNA that ran in our family There was stuff that ran in our family that was in our DNA. And some of it wasn't so good. Some of it was really good. Long life runs in my family. My dad's 92. My mom's going to be 90 in September. That's pretty darn good. I'll receive that one. But then there's other stuff that's not so good. That's the DNA part. But here's the cool thing. When I was born again, I was redeemed. And I have a new DNA. I have the DNA of Jesus. I have testimonies to prove that one, by the way. I won't share right now. But I have literally witnessed people who have had a DNA genetic test before they were born again. And they had an aggressive gene for cancer. And they had cancer. And then they had that aggressive gene as well. And then after 
after they were born again and learned about their redemption, they had another test and that gene was no longer there. We are redeemed. We're redeemed. Now, this is the cool part. So whatever testimonies are, you, you, we're hearing, we're hearing testimonies of redemption tonight. When we hear those, it runs in our family. So it's yours too, it runs in the family. So my healing of cancer runs in our family. Healing of cancer, not cancer. Healing runs in the family of God. It's in our bloodline. Healing of trigeminal neuralgia that Chris was healed of, it runs in our family. Healing of any issue, diabetes, healing of depression, healing of anxiety. Healing runs in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Okay, so three mini nuggets, really good nuggets. I want to prepare you to, to build something up in here to be ready to receive. So here's the first one. Testimonies show us the heart of God. They show us how good he is, how loving he is, how compassionate he is. The Bible numerous times, can't we go to the next slide? Numerous times it refers to Jesus as being the fingerprint of God or the, the visible, the invisible made visible. In this scripture it says, now he, Jesus, is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. I don't have time to teach tonight, but I'm just going to say this. Read the Gospels. This is Pastor Tim used to tell us this all the time. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at Jesus. That shows you the heart of God, the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Theology means the study of God. If you want to know God, if you want to know God's will, God's heart, look at Jesus. So number one, testimonies show us the nature of God, and it's good. Secondly, testimonies create expectation. There is uh, uh, just something that stirs you up. When you hear about how amazing God is, it stirs something up in you to get excited and to expect that for yourself. To expect that. So I'm, I came in tonight with this great, you, you probably tell it, I'm really excited. It's because, <laughs> no. It's because I had that expectation. Testimonies do that. So I'm believing that for us as well. Thirdly, there is a prophetic anointing on the testimony. In Revelations 19.10, the Bible says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We're going to be hearing about the testimony of Jesus tonight in lots of different settings, situations. How, I, I heard Chris's and Dave's sharing last night, but how God has redeemed lives, families, missions, um, uh, dreams, years lost and, and redeemed, all sorts of redemption testimonies. And as we do, as we hear these, there is a prophetic anointing. Now, a prophecy is twofold. 
The first part of prophecy is to declare the divine will and purpose of God. That's one of the critical, powerful, potent reasons why God gives us prophecy. To make a declaration of the perfect will of God, the good and perfect will of God. The second part of prophecy is to do it again. It's the predictive element. So prophecies are to be spoken with words and to be demonstrated with action. God never separates words and action. They go together. Word and power should go together. And like I I mentioned at the very beginning of our meeting, when we are um, talking about testimonies, there is, um, or healing, or any other um, promise in the Bible, there's an anointing in the atmosphere for that very thing to be done again. So, with that being said, we're going to view our first testimony. This is a video testimony that is a treasure that I just came upon about two weeks ago. Didn't even know this video existed. It was filmed here at Rochester Christian Church in 2016. It is a testimony of Chris and Dave's healing, and it's just powerful. It's about eight minutes long, so we're going to go ahead and watch that because they're going to be sharing other testimonies tonight, not not up the whole night about their healing testimony. So here you go. This is good. Fourteen years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four melanoma. The, The diagnosis was extensive metastasis of the melanoma throughout her lymphatic system. And when I was diagnosed, I didn't know Jesus the healer. I was very religious, but I wasn't saved. I didn't know Jesus personally. Thank God somebody told me truth. Thank God somebody led me to salvation. Thank God they brought me into a church like this that believes in healing. Within six months, I went from stage four incurable cancer with six to nine months to live to completely healed. Completely healed. God captured my heart. But it wasn't just physical healing. My husband, amazing man of God, our life has been made new. Jesus said that he came for an abundance of life. That's his will for you. That's his will for all of us. Chris and Dave, would you come on up? So Chris, you may know her and her husband. Their testimony was aired on 700 Club last year. Chris had a phenomenal healing of Jesus, and we're here to testify of Jesus today. Amen. So, Chris, what was your diagnosis? So, first off, it was here at this church. So, I want to thank this church body for praying, for supporting Pastor Tim throughout the years because you have changed lives. You are changing lives. You changed our life. Do you understand? 
So I had a condition known as trigeminal neuralgia. It's a pinched nerve at the brain stem. It affects the facial sensation. And for me, my nerve was out of whack. And so that meant that the pain was unbearable in the face. It's known as the suicide disease because most people get the pain, can't get out of the pain, and they will end up taking their own lives. So after, do you want me to just go? Okay. After several brain surgeries at the Mayo Clinic, um, and after several facial surgeries, this was well into eight years of having the condition, I was basically sent home and told, you're gonna have to live with the pain. And at that point, it was not only just sensory, but it, it wasn't just touch, it was light, it was food, all triggered this condition and this pain in the face. And I was on disability. I had to give up my job as engineering manager with General Motors, and my husband did it all. He took care of us, took care of me. Man of God stayed with me through this whole condition. So 15 years into the condition, 15 years, my husband kissed me on this side of my face. We were introduced to Pastor Tim in his ministry, now with Cindy and Kent Cox as well. And we were skeptical. I was skeptical. I'm an engineer. I'm made to be skeptical. I came, and Pastor Tim had Marlene Kleps come up one evening. We went. She told her story. She gave... Before that, because we, we had been, we had had a lot of people pray for us. I mean... My mom worked at a convent. The whole convent prayed for us. We had hundreds of people pray for us over the years. But it was usually really safe prayers. <clears throat> like we didn't know you could just <clears throat> ask God to take it away. You know, we would pray to find the right doctor, pray to guide the doctor's hands, pray to get the right treatment. All those safe prayers that, you know, if God doesn't answer them, you can't, you know, you'll never know. <clears throat> so never did we know to just pray for it to go until we met Pastor Tim and Cindy in this church building. And on that night, Marlene gave her testimony. She prayed for me a very short prayer. I told her as soon as I got to her, I said, look, I don't believe in this whole healing business. And I really didn't. It was 15 years, you guys, of living with the suicide disease. So I told her, I don't believe in this whole healing business. And she said, okay, it's not about you, right? <laughs> it's about God. <laughs> and so for 25 minutes after the prayer, God gave me a supernatural glycerol injection that I had had at the Mayo Clinic with a sensation going through my face. And after that, I had no pain. To you be all the glory, God. To you be all the glory, Jesus. To you be all the glory. To you be all the glory. So this beautiful woman and her amazing husband, after 15 years, Jesus touched her. Jesus did the work 2016 years ago plus. He did the work. 
Marlene is just a tool of God. Marlene's not anybody different than you or me or Pastor Richard or Chris or Dave. Marlene just simply stood in that place and said, okay, that's okay. I can believe for you. It's not you anyway. It's not me anyway. It's our amazing Jesus. So David, I just want to ask you what your guys' life I just look at and I am just like, whoa. Tell me a little bit about what, because it's more than physical healing, big time more. So tell me just a teeny bit about what God has done in your lives. Well, we had, when we started really digging into this healing, after we are healed, we're like, okay, I guess that happens. And so we've been on a journey since then to, to learn more about that, about healing. And we heard a guy um, named Robbie Dawkins. Some of you may have heard of him. He's got a big healing ministry in Chicago. And um, he said that um, God will give you the ability if you give God the availability. And we thought, because we were you know, really controlled by this disease. I mean, it controlled every decision, everything we did. And so we were free from that. And we're like, well, we, we can do anything. What should we do? And we didn't know what to do, but we thought, well, will be available. So we sold our house and, and a few rental properties and all of our furniture and a car. And um, we just go wherever God sends us and we just do whatever we feel he's leading us to do. So we've traveled a lot. We've been all over the world, Australia, Europe, South America, Africa, um, doing missionary work and just, just kind of going wherever God leads us and um, trying to follow his will. Amen. Amen. Many of you were at Heidi Baker's um, meeting when she was here in Taylor a couple weeks ago. These guys went to Mozambique, Africa, and went through a 10-week training directly with Heidi Baker. They were baptized in the Jordan River by Heidi, Heidi Baker. And we know that there's just an amazing anointing of the Holy Spirit in your lives as well. But that's not, a, you know, that's not a, 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 a special thing for them. It's for God's blessing on all of us. And that's what's so awesome about Pastor Richard in this church. It's the body. <laughs> it's the body. So we praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. 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 So Chris and Dave are back in Michigan for about how many days? Five, four? And, and we're blessed to have them here while they're in Michigan. So come on up. They're going to share what, what God has put on their heart to share about testimonies of redemption. Amen. Have fun. Thanks. All right, can we just say a, a quick prayer just for us? So, uh, hey, God, we just ask you to, to be with us. We just ask, Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. and we, So we just ask you to... Lead, um, take over our thoughts, lead our thoughts and, and the words that come out of our mouth, um, guide us and, and just help us to share uh, what you want to share. We just, we only want to do your will. So um, yeah, don't, uh, don't let us um, ramble on about something you don't want us to talk about. And, uh, and if we do, we just pray that everyone in here, that you just enable them to hear what you want them to hear. Um, so yeah, we just, uh, we just turn over this, um, this entire time to, that we have here together to you, and uh, this is all about you. And uh, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, so we're Chris and Dave, um, and we just, first we just want to thank 
Kent and Cindy, we just love you guys. You're such an inspiration to us. Um, and we really appreciate any time we ever get to come see you. Um, when that video was filmed was uh, just a few months after we got back from Africa, actually. And soon after that, we came, we had been traveling for several years, kind of perpetually, without a house. Um, after that, we, soon after that, we came back to Michigan for what we thought would be six-month assignment to h help a, a local church find a new building, turned into two years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and a number of people in this room helped us, actually, so thank you. Um, and it was, a, it, was an, it was an amazing time. Um, the, then at the end, right at the end of that, I think, is the last time we've been here. So it's actually been seven months since we left Michigan, um, and we told our entire testimony here at that time. So we're not going to do that again. Um, you got a, the short version in that uh, video there. We're not going to give our testimony of, of how we were healed. Uh, we're just going to do something different and tell you what we've been up to in the last seven months since then. Um, so we've been traveling a lot. I don't know if you'll put up the next. That's all the way at the end. The second slide. <laughs> not the 20th. There we go. All right. So in, in the past seven months, we've been all over the U.S., um, traveled out west. We made it to our 50th state. Finally, it's been, been stuck on 49 for years. We made it. It was Idaho. Um, yeah. And on the way, we went through Utah. Amazing. Climbed Angel's Landing, if anyone's ever heard of that. Oh, man. Don't do it. They shouldn't let people do that. But it was awesome. Um, and we spent a month in Australia. We actually just recently got back from spending a month in Australia. We're going to talk to you a little bit about that, um, about some healings there and, and some people there um, that, that we know. And because what we want to talk about tonight, you know, we want to talk about redemption. Um, when after, after our healing, you know, all we, the only thing we did different with our life besides everything, but, but the only thing was we tried putting... Jesus first, right? Rather than including Jesus in with everything else we already were doing or that we wanted to do, we just asked him what he wanted us to do, and, and that's what we've done. Um, and, and that looks different for everyone. But um, So, so we, we traveled around a lot, and we've done a lot of things, but we've learned, or God's shown us, that it's Following him's got nothing to do with where you go or what you do. Life's got nothing, really, very little to do with where you go or what you do. Life's got to do with people and how you treat people and how you love people and, and about relationships. And so we're going to, what we're actually going to talk about tonight is some, some people uh, because that's really all that matters. Um, on our, one of our stops... Along this way, we got to spend three weeks in, um, in Kansas City, Missouri at the International House of Prayer. If anyone's heard of that, it's an amazing place. Uh, a guy named Mike Bickle had this vision to start 24-hour worship. Now, it's 24-hour prayer and worship um, for 20 years now. They're actually, this is their 20th year. I think they just celebrated 20 years. And it's been, it's nonstop. 24 hours a day. They don't even stop between the, you know, when they turn over, like, worship bands, they don't even stop. I mean, it's just continuous. Some of you have been there. Um, and so the, 
the place, it's actually just a room in a strip mall, and um, it's, but it's very prayed up, right? <laughs> you can tell when you walk in, right? The Holy Spirit, he's there, and, and so it's a great place to hear from God. And every time we go there, we do hear something from God, and that's, you know, that's why we go there. Um, I mean, that's, that's what we always want to do anywhere we go. It's just, it's just a little easier there, I think. Um, so Chris um, really had some, some revelations from God that she wants to share with you guys. Yeah, and it's so easy to share here. Cindy, I can't, uh, like Dave said, we just love you guys. We thank you so much for being so free. And especially here, we're back home. I mean, this is where we were healed. This is where Jesus took hold and just completely rocked our world. And um, it, it feels so great to be back with you guys who we love so much. So many of you in this room, we just love you. We just thank the Lord for you that you are here, and that we get to do life with you, with him. So I just wanted to say thanks for welcoming us back. I feel so good I'm with my peeps. And it's just so fun. Like Cindy said, forgive me, I am quite goofy, like the video showed, but you'll just get over it, right? Between the accent and the goofiness, we're just going to have fun tonight. So laugh, have fun, don't worry about it, and we'll just be goofy together, I promise. You'll end up liking me, maybe not. Anyway, um, so the vision. Um, so IHOP, man, it, we, we have gotten to start a couple of different 24-7 prayer rooms around the country now, one here in Michigan and one down in Missouri, and we participated in Africa in 24-7 prayer. And if you've never gotten to participate in a 24-7 prayer room, it's incredible. Like, we do two-hour sessions, and you think, how in the world, when I first got in, I thought, how in the world am I going to sit here and pray for two hours, right? You're just like, this is crazy. For me, I thought it was crazy. Until I got in there and Holy Spirit met me. And the two hours, right, they just go like that. We typically get stuck in a good way, stuck, doing the night watch. So we do the 2 to 4 a.m., there's only a little bit of sloking there, Sonia, you know, just a little bit. But we'll, we'll do the 2 to 4 a.m., and it just is an amazing, amazing time with God. So we go to IHOP, and we just love it. We spend so much time in the prayer room, and this time we actually had the luxury of time. We had the luxury of three weeks, and so we were just in that prayer room soaking it up, loving God. This one particular day. I mean, God has blessed us, right? He's blessed us all. I, I know that. But he has blessed us. I mean, 15 years wiped away. Hallelujah. Amen. And in a disease, in a condition that so debilitated my life, it took our dreams away completely. We don't have children. We had dreamed of other grandiose awesome things. I was going to be CEO of General Motors. No, it's not really true, but you have dreams, right? Gone, gone. Evil tried to steal dream after dream after dream in the suicide disease. And God said, uh-uh-uh. 
You are healed by my stripes. And the first year out, we got the verse of Joel 2.25, which is on the next slide. I will repay you for all the years the locusts have taken. I will repay you for every hair the locust has taken off of your head. I will repay you. Yes, even you. I will repay you for every year the locusts have taken. And that was spoken over us in that first year of being healed. I didn't quite understand what that really meant. Yeah, yeah. He did that in an instant. He has redeemed us. He has saved us from evil. So I'm at IHOP, International House of Prayer, with Dave. And we're hanging out. The music is going in cushy chairs, just like all of you guys are sitting in right here, right now. And I'm just praising God. I'm just like, you're so good. I love you. I'm healed. We have a blessed life. We are living it. I love you, Jesus. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. Just giving him everything I possibly can because he's so good. He's so amazing. And suddenly, he took me to a vision that was just crazy. I wonder if you guys want to enter into it with me, okay? Close your eyes. Bow your head. You're at IHOP on nice, cushy chairs. Loving our Jesus. Loving our Jesus. And suddenly, he places you right in the middle of the Romans who are cheering and chanting for our Jesus who has been tied at a stake on his knees with his back exposed. All around you, it is loud, it is chaotic. They're all going, yes, 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 beat him, beat him. And he's tied to a stake. And the large Roman soldier takes out his whip that's made with the bone shards and the metal. And he starts with the first lash. And he beats our Jesus on the back. And he lashes again. And he lashes out again. Lash after lash. And suddenly, a lash came down on his back. And he looked at me with the eyes of love. He said, that one was for you. That one was for the suicide disease. By your stripe, by that stripe, by that lash. You are healed. We left the prayer room. Later in the day, we come back. And I'm rocked, right? I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked by the lash. Come on, Jesus. I go back into the prayer room. Like, oh, Jesus, thank you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. As you bow your head again, he suddenly took me to the cross. 
It's already gotten dark. The clouds have already come over. I see our Jesus struggling to move his body up enough off his lungs to take a breath. He's starting to fall against his own weight. He's hanging there, ready to take his last breath. And he looked at me with the eyes of love. He said, my last breath is for your sins. I'm doing this for you. I'm dying for your sins so that you may re be redeemed, so that you may be saved, not just now, but forever, for eternity, forevermore. I love you. And with his body bruised and torn and broken, the last breath came and the sword went into his side. And Jesus died for me. I was like, oh, Jesus, I love you. By that salvation, I love you. So he actually gave me some words to it. I'm going to read you my personal journal. Because he said, enter into it with me. Just like I asked you guys to enter into it. Those were his words to me. He said, enter into it. And on the next slide, he said, you have now experienced my redemption, my saving he said, I have repaid him more all the 15 years the locusts have taken from you. It's all been redeemed. And you feel more free than ever in your life. I did that for disease with just one lash. Just one lash to your back. And you're redeemed. All the years are gone. And then he continued, now imagine the redemption. Redemption I have bought for you from your sins with my life on the cross. I have bought you eternal redemption, eternal salvation, eternal freedom. Now you can walk in abundance, a life of abundance. For John 10.10 10 says, right? That he has come to give life and life abundant. And he said, just as you're feeling from this amazing, awesome, incredible miracle healing, I, I did even more for you on the cross. Because you get to be healed and saved for eternity. So he went on and he tells me, walk out my death even more intensely than you're walking out my wounds. Walk out my death even more intensely 
then you're walking out my wounds. Walk out your salvation even more than you're walking out your healing, which I walk good. I love my healing. Yeah? You already had it with your salvation. Thank goodness, little girl, you suddenly realized it with your healing, as you will too, in Jesus' name. But you already had it with your salvation. Amen. Amen. We all already have it with our salvation. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He did it. He paid it. It's free, freely received. So we got to thinking about this, and I always go to Dave and, and talk to him about, hey, what do you think? And uh, we've been processing a lot, and it, we haven't even begun to finish processing. I mean, it's too much, right? It's too much. But we got a couple little small nibbits out of it. And, and the first one just reminded us, I, I know Cindy's been teaching. Is she a credible teacher, you guys? Incredible teacher. We bless you. She's been teaching on receiving healing and giving just very practical but anointed messages so we can, in the natural, receive what has already been done in the supernatural, right? In the supernatural, it's done, it's over, complete. In the natural, we're kind of like, you know. I was, at least. I don't know about you guys. I was. And so uh, one of the things that we've gained from it a little bit, it, it took me back to the next verse, which you'll find in Matthew, Luke, and Mark, where it's, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. And I'm sorry, that's always kind of bothered me. I mean, why, why is he saying it's easier to say take up your mat and walk. For me, it was 15 years. I'm like, that's not that easy, Jesus, you know. But he is like, which is easier? So we, we've kind of pressed into that receiving bit a little bit. And then the second part is, is the part about redemption and transformation. Well, I, I imagine most people in here are saved. And, and if you're not, talk to us afterwards. Talk to anyone on the prayer team. Um, it's really easy, right? Like really easy. Healing we don't find as easy. Um, but, but think about it. For Jesus, what was harder? Right? He, he healed. I mean, the, not to minimize being scourged, but, but every lash, will, you know, healed people. But he had to die for our sins. So that the, the sins... That the salvation that was a hundred times, a thousand times harder for Jesus. And, and we, I don't know, we, we don't think of it as uh, with the right magnitude, I don't think. And kind of the, the message that we got, you know, we changed our life a lot after Chris was healed. And what we felt that, that Jesus was telling us is you didn't need to wait until you were healed. <laughs> You could have done that years ago, right? And, and, and so that's one thing we want to talk about tonight is it occurred to us as we were been traveling. Um, 
We keep encountering, God keeps leading us to people who do that. There, there's people everywhere who do that, and they're such an inspiration to us. Um, we want to tell you about some of them, and, and hopefully they'll inspire you. Um, and, and they're not like us, right? You, you don't, like I said before, you don't, you, in order to follow Jesus' will, you just need to ask him what he wants you to do. You don't need to quit your job. You don't need to become a missionary. You don't need to go into full-time ministry. Um, the, the, the peop, some of the people we're going to talk about, none of them did that, actually. So, yeah, they raised families and worked full-time jobs and put Jesus first the whole time. And that's what I think what we're all called to do. Um, so we're going to jump right in and start with one of our favorite people in the whole world. Yeah. So we're starting right in Michigan. So we've been all over, and um, due to time, and because your bottoms are going to start hurting at any moment, um, because I go on and on and on, we had to shorten this thing down, and we've picked out three of our favorites um, in at different parts of the world that we've been, and right here in good old Michigan. So, and some of you know who these beautiful people are. For us, these people exemplify living a transformed, redeemed life. For us, these people live it day in and day out. When we got here in 2016, ready to take on a building project that God had asked us to do, we thought we were going to be here for about six months. And um, it ended up being a bit longer, eh, Carrie? And... Um, and these people, uh, we didn't have housing. Now, for people who don't own a home, that don't own physical house possessions, things that you put in a home, like a bed, it's always nice to have a bed, um, you, you often wonder, you know, where you're going to sleep at now. And I could go on and on with testimony after testimony after testimony of God's provision for giving us housing. And so often, it's free houses and they're like on a beach. Or they're, they're beautiful. I mean, the provision, once we put our faith in God, he just provides. It's just fun because you're like, wow, you're giving me this. Oh, my goodness. It's so much fun. Well, in this case, we're coming to Michigan to work on this building project. We had no place to go. We had no place to live at that time. We were about three days before we were meant to be here, and we suddenly get a call out of the blue from a friend of a friend of a friend who said, hey, I heard you guys are looking for housing. Um, why don't you stop in? We'll interview you, because they don't want crazy people, just goofy people were allowed. And so why don't you stop in? We'll interview you, and we'll see if we're a fit. And we might have a place for you to stay. So two hours into the interview, sharing beautiful stories together, they take us downstairs to a 1,200-square-foot basement, fully private apartment, two bedrooms, full kitchen, beautiful living space, and said, this is yours. And we're like, okay, this looks pretty good. We could do this. We got some budget. They're not, no, this is our calling. This is yours. They proceeded to tell us they had been on 19 short-term mission trips in Dave's life. Liz, many as well. 
and on their last mission trip. And during these mission trips and leading up to these mission trips, they did fundraisers all the time, getting ready to go and then blessing the people once they're on mission. They did a lot of construction mission trips with very large teams that they pulled together themselves. And um, on their last mission, God gave them their calling and basically said, you need to help missionaries who come back, missionaries who are on assignment, missionaries who are on rest and relaxation, missionaries who are here to fundraise themselves. They need a place to stay, and you got a perfect place to do it. So his, it's actually over a 100-year-old building. It used to be the Rochester Toll House on Rochester Road. And they completely gutted their basement themselves completely gutted the whole apartment and built it all themselves with their own two hands for God's missionaries, for God's servants, all while he was holding, and she was holding, a 40-hour-a-week job, she for General Motors, he for the Rochester Public Works, and, um, and continuing to serve and serve and serve, living out a transformed redeemed life so the we we left them in October uh, October 2nd and um, his daughter moved into the apartment and got to spend her last days with Dave and on October 26 Dave got to go home and while we were in Missouri we got the call and got got the message that Dave had went home from lungs, lung sickness, and um, we got to travel back up to his funeral and got to be a part of celebrating his life. Allison was there. It was a beautiful celebration. Yeah, and so, I mean, Dave was the most amazing person you'll ever meet, and, you know, I'm sure that he did an amazing job at work because because of the type of person he was, but, but at his funeral... I didn't hear it, and this, keep just let this soak in. Nobody ever talked about what a great job he did at work, right? What people talked about was how he blessed them, what he did for them. There were so many missionaries, retired missionaries, people who had been on mission trips with him, people he had mentored, who, who spoke at his funeral about how he had changed their lives. Not at work, though. <laughs> um, tell you one, one quick story. This wasn't nothing to do with the funeral, but just to give you an idea of the kinds of things that, that he did that nobody even knew about, probably. I was helping him do some yard work one day, and he got a phone call from a guy, and he had to leave and go help this guy. And turns out this guy was a, an, a mentally ill man who Dave had met a few years prior who actually had family in the area. This guy was mild, mild mental illness. He, he had lived alone his whole life um, and in you know, subsidized housing. Um, but his mental illness would cause him to get himself in trouble. And, and Dave would bail him out every time. And Dave just hardly even knew the guy, really. He just had met him one time and decided to walk alongside him. The guy needed help, so Dave helped him. Um, this one time in particular, the... the what had happened was this guy had, I don't know, probably had a dream or whatever. He woke up and he was 
just that convinced he had won the lottery and was going to go buy a mansion somewhere. And, and so he quit paying his rent in, in, in the subsidized housing, and they were going to kick him out. He got an eviction notice, and he didn't care because he was leaving. He was actually waiting for a limousine to come pick him up. Right? So Dave drops everything, goes over there, and kind of talks him down you know, off a ledge and tells him, convinces him to keep making his payments and keep paying his bills, and the guy got to stay in his house. And you probably have heard that you know, most or a lot of homeless people have mental illness. Well, you can see why, right? It, you know, they, they don't know that they need to pay their bills and no, if no one helps them. And this was something he just, he just dealt with every couple of months, something like this for years and years and years. You know, and no, I don't know if you have anyone ever knew about it, you know, besides him and his wife. And that's just the, that's, you know, God put something in front of him, and he did what God wanted him to do. Um, so, anyways, the next person I want to tell you about, um, Denny and Mindy Tibble. Um, I, some of you may actually know them, because they actually are from up, up in your neck of the woods. I don't remember what town, but up, up by Hadley. Did they? So, we met them in Kansas City, okay? They are, and he's, he's a contractor. Okay, contractor for 30 years, raised kids, kids moved out of the house, and he was an empty nester in, in, in his 40s, and felt like God was telling him, you know, kind of put on his heart um, abortion and specifically adoption. Um, he contacted an organization that um, tries helping women who are seeking abortion to, you know, seek out adoption instead. Um, and, and they hooked him up with him, and they, you know, they were going to adopt a baby. And a, a month before the baby was born, they called him up and said, could you take three? And they did. At 44 years old, they adopted three infants. Um, they're now uh, 52, so they have three eight-year-old girls. Um, yeah, they, have, they had already had grown children who, uh, who had left the house by, before that. Um, then, a year ago, they felt that God had made them aware of an issue that I, I hadn't heard of, probably most of you haven't, um, that had to do with um, fertilized embryos. When, when people get um, IVF, they, they fertilize multiple embryos and they store them, and they implant a few at a time. And if the first ones take, then the other ones stay in storage. And there are apparently 600,000 fertilized embryos in storage in the United States. And, and they felt like God was telling them, well, what about them? What about them? And so at 51 years old, they adopted four embryos and started implanting them. And the first one didn't take. The second one, they delivered a, a little baby at 52 years old. They still have two more to go. They're going to do one every year. And, I mean, to me, they're crazy. Probably to most of you, they're crazy. But, you know, hey, read the Bible. Most people who do what God told them to do seem pretty crazy, right? So sometimes that's going to happen. Yeah. 
And these people just inspire us. That's their calling. They have the grace for it. They are beautiful with their kids. We got to spend um, a week with them. They were our small group leaders in Kansas City as we were taking a class, a course. And they're just beautiful, passionate people. They're so passionate for Jesus that their compassion for the unborn is just absolutely contagious. Like they would have every single person in this room, including the guys, if it was scientifically possible, having babies, you know, it's just like they are on fire. And it, it's so great because all over the Bible, it's, it, it's orphans and widows, isn't it? God said, protect my peeps who don't have a voice. Protect my orphans and widows. You know, in America alone, there's 3, approximately 3,500 abortions a day. A day. Just in this country. In China, there's approximately 22,000 abortions a day in China. We can do better, right? And that's what they're saying. That's their mission. That's their transformed life. Jesus told them, we can do this, and they're out to do it. They started an organization. You may have seen it. It's called the Moral Outcry. They are um, getting signatures to petition the Supreme Court to um, take a new look at Roe v. Wade. Because with new scientific evidence that is out, there's new evidence of when life starts. And so they're taking a new look. They, they want the Supreme Court to look at it from that perspective. You know, uh, it, Ben Shapiro makes a great argument. And he made this, some of you may know it, he made this at the um, walk to life on the National Mall just this year. He said, imagine if there was found a fertilized embryo on Mars. So forget your beliefs. Don't forget your beliefs, but you understand. Put those aside and just look at it from a scientific perspective. Let's say that an embryo was found on Mars. How many of us, including the scientists and really, really smart people out there, would say, we found life, right? If we found that on Mars, oh my gosh, they'd be all over that, like that. They'd be like, yes, life. Yeah. So Ben says, it's time, right? We say, church, it's time. Let's take a new look at this. And so they are predicting that within the next couple of years, Roe v. Wade will be overturned. It will be overturned. And then guess what, church family? We got 3,500 unwanted pregnancies a day. What do we do with that, Jen? Right? <laughs> 3,500 unwanted pregnancies a day, 600,000 embryos in quote-unquote storage, and these people are living a redeemed, transformed life for Jesus. They said, no mountain is too big for our Jesus. We're going to hit it. We're hitting it. And they are an inspiration to us. They have full-time jobs. They have children. They have grandchildren. They have a life. And they said, ah, that's okay. Jesus is first. Let's go for it. The next couple, to me, are just as amazing. These guys are out of Kansas City. These guys are out of Australia. 
some of our most favorite people in the whole wide world, but you guys know I say that all the time because it's true. <laughs> this is our friends Simon and Liz Pounder. Liz is standing right next to me, and they have three beautiful children. It's Sarah right next to me. Emma is in front. Both of those girls were born in America, and Emma loves to tell everybody she's American-Australian. She was really trying to get the accent while we were there, so I was laying it on thick. You know what I mean? And um, Nathan is standing there next to Simon. While we were in Australia, we met Simon at work. We were in Australia for two years on a two-year assignment. Simon was working powertrain. We were working full vehicle Pontiac GTO, and we got to know him. Suddenly, two years later, they're in America for five years on assignment. And they became some of our best friends in the whole wide world. And they knew sick Chris. Like, really knew sick Chris. Chronic illness is hard. Any illness is hard, right? And we had friends dropping off like flies. It's just hard to keep up with chronic illness. You, you can't make most things. You, you're saying, oh, sorry, she's not feeling good all the time. You don't get a lot of friends who stick it out with you. These folks did. So they were already living a Jesus lifestyle. But then they went back to Australia, and just a year later, Chris was healed. I was healed. Amen. And we immediately, they were the first place we hit, actually, um, well, second place um, that we hit in, in our Let's Celebrate with God kind of tour. And so we went back to Australia in 2013 and got to say hi to them, and they suddenly encountered Hill Chris. They didn't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> and we had so much fun. And their lives are living testimony to the redemption of Jesus. They, she now um, runs a nonprofit organization out of Malawi that feeds over a thousand children a day. She and another Australian who is there in Malawi run this full nonprofit. She is living her life for Jesus. But it's not just her, the whole family pitches in. They love to do, the, the kids love to do these fundraisers. And in Australia, they, they call the trunk of the car a boot. I think that's so cool. They've always called it the boot. So they get the, all the cars into the church parking lot, and they do a boot sale. And the kids just put all kinds of stuff in the car, and you do like a garage sale out of the trunk of your car. They're raising money for the children, for the Malawi children in Australia, right alongside their mama and papa. They, if, if we talk about a life as ministry, living life as ministry, they are that family. They are a family on mission. And they have been so rocked that each time we've gone back, we've gone back twice now since I've been healed, um, they have gathered some people at the church and said, you have to hear this testimony, right? And so this last time, we were just there um, like three weeks ago for a month, and um, they gathered some people on a Tuesday night, and we're, you know, the pastor's out of town, and people are doing this, that, and the other thing, and it's a little hard on Tuesday night. You guys are awesome. You make it. You, you, you do it. 
but it's a little hard for people to get out and whatever. So we're like, okay, if we get a dozen people, it's all good because God just wants the one healed, right? And so we're like, no problem. We got a dozen. So we kind of set up the church lobby a bit and Holy Spirit just keeps bringing them in just keeps bringing them in. We start setting up more chairs. We get over 50 to 60 people there that evening. And the waves of Holy Spirit was just tangible. These guys are, are telling their part of our healing story, how they saw sick Chris and what that looked like. And now to witness up close and personal what Jesus does through healing, they are living the life of, it's a ripple effect as they live out bringing people into Jesus. And because of their ripple, over a dozen people raised their hand for Jesus that night. A dozen people were saved for eternity that night. A dozen people got to have the privilege of saying, yeah, Jesus, come on. It's because these two people and their family on mission have decided that Jesus is first. Through the cross, Jesus is first. And they have decided to transform their lives for him. It's just absolutely, when, when you get that passion, when you get that passion in your heart, and you're just like, yes, he's true. He's real. I believe it. I love it. All of a sudden, you get all this compassion, right? It's just dripping out. It's just overflowing. It's just outpouring after outpouring after outpouring. We only get to give you three. We had example after example after example. We have met hundreds of people in the last seven years of travel, and many in this room that say, okay, Jesus, yep, you first. Cindy and Kent, every week, every prayer call, every prayer meeting, okay, Jesus, yeah, you first, you first. Oh, we could just give example after example after example. Aren't we all called? Doesn't Jesus give us all an innate plan and purpose to go and do even more than ourselves. Like he wants us to live outside the box. He's like, don't, don't stay there. You can do even more. The mountains are not too high. You can do even more because you got me. You got me. You got Holy Spirit as your heart, the heart of Holy Spirit. So all of this was kind of going on and we're, we're thinking about all this and processing it and doing a lot of miles. We already got 40,000 miles on our new car and we get a lot of processing time. And while this was going on, my, my niece who is in college, she hasn't ever, she's been church raised, but I wouldn't necessarily say that she ever just called me up and started talking about Jesus. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, she's like, Chris, you've got to read this book. On the next slide, you'll see it's um, Kyle Eidemann's Not a Fan. She's like, this is incredible. And she just starts talking to us, doesn't she? And it's like she is changed 
and changed and changed. And it was so funny, just before she told us about this book, we actually had been in Louisville, Kentucky. And in Louisville, we had the opportunity to go to Pastor Kyle's church. And unbeknownst to him, he, at the exact same time, was rocking the world of someone I love hugely through this book. So she gets us to read it, and it's exactly what God had been laying on our hearts through that vision. And it basically is most of us don't mind Jesus making some minor changes in our lives. You know, I, I was good with that too. No problem. But Jesus wants to turn our lives upside down because when he changes and turns our lives upside down, all of a sudden we get to live the abundant life that he has promised us. We get to move into the fullness of the complete redemption that he bought for us on the cross. We get to push in and say, yes, let's go, God. Let's do this thing. And through that, through that passion, through that heart of Holy Spirit in you, all of a sudden you get this amazing passion that turns into compassion. And you get to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And that's what we see people just like this doing. They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead. And they're casting out demons because of that passion turning into compassion with Holy Spirit heart. Isn't that good? It's so good. Do you mind if we take a blessing? I, I would love to bless you guys. I'm so excited. I just want to bless you with Holy Spirit heart and the love of Jesus. When we love him, when we get it, the death on the cross, when we get it, the stripes that he took, when we get it, we just get to pour it out. We get to pour it out, and we get to love. We get to stop for the one, and we get to love, 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 love. And that's what changes the world. Amen. You don't have to go out and feed the masses. Jesus did. He'll do it through you if you want, but you don't have to. You just get to stop for the one. Amen. So if you just bow your head, close your eyes, Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Holy Spirit, open hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because I do bless your heart, and I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your heartbeat in ours. I thank you for overcoming us and rising us up to be so much more in you. We just love, love, love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for your life and what you did for us. And we just pray that you pour that love into us, that you pour that love into us as the heart of Holy Spirit, and that we feel it, we encounter it, and the rhythm 
of your spirit is what beats each and every day, transforming our lives, transforming our lives. And so if, if you want and you feel the nudge that you want to tell Jesus right here, right now, all eyes are closed, everybody's bowed their heads, this is just between you and Father, between you and Papa God. If you want to say, you know what, Jesus? I want to renew my heart for you. I want to put you absolutely first in my life. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's just a rededication that you want to live a transformed life and you trust him that he's going to pour out and that Holy Spirit is going to do it for you. You trust him that every act you take is going to be out of complete and total love. You can tell him in your heart. You can raise your hand. You can show him. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. I want to raise my hand, Jesus, for you and just tell you, you got my life. I rededicate it to you, Jesus. You got it. I thank you. I love you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus, that you have turned my life around, and it is forever changed, forever, for eternity changed. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the lives in this room that live you out each and every day. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to bless us with your power and your love, your overwhelming love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you so much. <laughs> and let's stay up here. Go ahead and stay up here. The word says that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. When we come close to him, he co comes close to us. Chris and Dave, your lives, you said, you, you made a comment at the beginning, Dave, where you said that you could have sought God differently earlier. But you know what? He meets you where you're at, when you're there. In my case, I didn't get healed immediately, but I fell in love with God. I started seeking healing, and I found the healer. Amen. You know, I started seeking healing through the gospel, through Jesus, and I he captivated my heart. I believe so many of you are in that same place. This is a healing meeting. Most people come to healing meetings either because they're in need themselves or because somebody they love is in need or because they're passionate to learn and grow in any way that they can. And they saw Jesus healing, so they want to be in a place where Jesus is healing here on this earth. So I want to, there's just a couple things I want to, I want to share with you, and then we're going to pray. I was in the, in the sanctuary praying before everybody got here, and, and um, uh, um, I, I just am going to pray into this because I felt like he showed me two 
things or two ways that you may be in this journey of healing, in this journey of fighting against the enemy's purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. You know, advancing the kingdom of God is twofold. First of all, in our mission with Jesus, he wants us to, to advance the kingdom of God and to see healings manifest and the gospel shared and casting out demons and raising the dead and healing the sick and preaching the word. Yeah. So the first part is advancing the kingdom, but the other part is destroying the works of darkness. They, are, they go hand in hand. And what I saw, and I don't, I don't highlight the enemy, but I saw two, two things. I saw a python. And I, I believe there are some of you who, it's almost like, and this is what happened with me when I was diagnosed. It was a shock. It was like I was constricted. It was like I couldn't breathe. When I got that diagnosis, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know about the healer. I wasn't saved. I had no relationship with God when I was diagnosed. And I literally felt like the life was being sucked out of me. I felt the, the best example that I can use is when you go to the dentist and they put that lead blanket on you and it's heavy. I felt like that was on me all the time until I found Jesus. And that lifted. But that's the first thing that I want to speak out tonight. There may be some of you here who feel that constriction. Like there's just a heavy heaviness on you. It might not be a physical thing. It might be an emotional thing or an anxiety thing or a, a, a relationship thing or a broken heart thing. But that's the first one, python. The second one was a bloodsucker. These are both really not very pretty. I'm sorry, but this is... You guys know I say what God shows me. The second one I saw was a bloodsucker. And I felt like there might be some of you who feel like the stupid devil is sucking and sucking and sucking the blood out of you. The, you know, it's, it's maybe it's a chronic thing like Chris had for 15 years. Well, the bottom line is Jesus destroyed all the works of darkness Psalm 91, I don't have it memorized. I should. I love Psalm 91. But I know both of these are addressed in Psalm 91. So what I'm talking about is scriptural. And the Bible says that when we dwell in that secret place of the Most High, that we are in his refuge and he saves us from the python or from the bloodsucker. So I am just going to pray into that right now for everybody. And then if you feel that's you, when you come up to receive prayer, we will specifically lay hands on you and believe God for, for manifesting the healing of that. He healed me of that python thing. He healed me of that. And even when I was in the midst of the cancer journey, I still had cancer after that healing meeting. I still had cancer after the pain left. But that python thing let go. The weight lifted off of me, and I had this amazing peace. And that peace grew into joy, and it didn't make sense that I could have a sense of joy and expectation in the middle of a journey because I still had the cancer. Six months later, I didn't. But there was six months that I went in between those two fence posts of life. <clears throat> so I speak right now, Father. 
and I thank you for what you showed me, and I believe that it is a point of contact where we can come to you, and Daddy, you say, enough is enough. You say, you're my daughter, you're my son. When you come to me, I'm a good, good father. I wrap my arms around you and rescue you. The vision I have, the picture I have with Psalm 91 is um, being in the refuge of the wings of Almighty God with him literally wrapping his wings around you and drawing you close to his heartbeat. And that python thing can't get through his wings and that bloodsucker can't stay where it's attached. It has to leave because when you are wrapped in the wings of Almighty God with your heart beating with his and his breath breathing into you. Those dark things have no power over you. Father, I thank you that you destroyed works of darkness. And I stand right now, right here, God. Here I am. Here I am. And I say, yes, I use the authority you gave me. And I say no to the works of darkness. I say get out and stay out in the mighty name of Jesus. Let my people go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.